listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant. Wow, should you say e-reader too in yours? Just want to say. Ooh, um, bi-textual reader. Or what did you call me on Instagram? A hybrid reader? A hybrid reader. That makes me feel like I'm an anamorph. (laughs) (laughs) Or a Prius. Um, uh, (laughs) I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about books we read as a kid. Just a little nostalgia, a, a, a shot of nostalgia in the arm for you. But first... What are you reading, Bria? I just finished a book I got to talk about because I loved it. It is the new book by C. Robert Cargill, uh, Day Zero. Um, Ooh, I saw this on your Instagram. Some people may know that I've recommended um, uh, his book, Sea of Rust, before. Um, when we had, uh, for the Reading Glasses Challenge, we had a, uh, one of our challenges was to read a book with a non-human protagonist, and that has a non-human protagonist. And so does this. This takes place in, like, the same universe, but it's kind of a prequel in the same universe. And it's basically um, um, sometime in the future and there's AI living among us and there's, you know, bots that clean your house. There's nanny bots. And this is from the POV of one of these nanny bots. And one night, uh, so, and then there's one robot, like old robot that doesn't have an owner, like that exists in the world. And um, uh, and he's going to start his own like robot colony uh and then something goes really wrong and essentially there ends up being like a robot uprising and then this nanny bot has to choose between being with these robots or being with this eight-year-old child that he takes care of um and and it's just about like uh this nanny bot and then the nanny bot's name is pounce and looks like a little tiger Oh, my God. It's what? so cute. And it's like this nanny bot has to, like, fight through, like, the apocalypse, basically, as this, like, tiny, small, like, tiger who, you know, uh, it's, it's, there's something, like, very funny about imagining all of it, but it's really heartfelt. It's really great. And it's a great, like, if you love um, apocalypse or robots or things like that, this is, like, a really fun one. Um, what about you, Mallory? What are you reading? Uh, I'm reading a book that I already texted you about, but I'm almost done with it. So I wanted to talk, talk about it on here. Uh, it's called The Wanderers by Megan Howery, or just, I think it's Meg Howery. Uh, so this book is one of those sci-fi books that is actually like super literary and is good for people who like want to dip their toe into sci-fi, but don't like, aren't ready for like math. Um, it takes place in like a near future world where this uh, space exploration company um, has sort of transcended NASA and now like this company it's it's very international it's not US centric it's like um, trying to use like private enterprise to go to space instead of the government because like in this new world it's really scary because actually in like the first chapters he's talking about how like because the government stopped you know caring about NASA as much because of all, like all kinds of st- strange political stuff and I'm like oh god we definitely and this was written in 2017 um so but it, it, this company wants to send people to Mars they're ready to go they actually have already sent um like the return vehicles to Mars but they need to send the people now so they've chosen this team it's this um older american woman um a middle a middle-aged um japanese man and then a young or middle-aged russian man and then a younger japanese man and these three are like the best astronauts in the world like they are the most perfectly suited to go to space but before they send them that what they want to do is make sure say everything has to be tested they send them they want to send quote unquote send them on a 
trial run where they basically stick them in a spaceship in the Utah desert for 17 months Mm -hmm. and they have to like pretend they're actually going to Mars and simulate the entire mission. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, you know, things are going to go wrong when you stick three people in a tin can together for, for over a year. Uh, But it's really interesting because it's like very introspective and you get all the things that are going on with the three of them before they go in and how they relate to each other. And also like what's going on with their families on the outside. And it's very, it's, it's a book uh, it's a great book for people who love books from multiple POVs because it keeps the story going so quickly because every single chapter is from a different person's perspective. Oh, it's like the guy who's supposed to be observing them and the the woman's daughter and the guy and one of the guy's sons. And like, it's just so it's a really great meditation on like the human experience and um, simulating things versus real things. And where, where does something actually become real and when does it actually matter? It's just awesome. A uh, great like I would say this is like sci-fi light. Um, and that's, so it's the, the wanderers by Meg Howry. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, excited. I want to read that one. I, I, it's been in my list for a long time and it was real buzzy. You really like, like it. Came out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and mine is date zero by C. Robert Cargill. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We got a hot book tip from Caitlin. Wow, wow, wow. Hot book tip hot book in tip. the morning with Brian Mallory. <laughs> it's nice. It's funny because now we do record these very early in the morning. So it does feel like we're like morning show yeah. DJs. <laughs> Are you on your uh, drive to work right now? Maybe you're in for a hot book tip. Wait, wait for it. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Kaylin says, I just finished listening to the episode where a listener wanted tips on book recaps. I have one main website that I use for recaps. It's called recaptions.co.uk. So Kaylin must be in the UK. Uh, they don't always have everything. So fill in the gap. So to fill in the gaps, I sometimes look for podcasts on particular book series to see if anyone has done a recap on them. Ooh, that's a mm. really good idea. Um, there's also the website for the U.S. that's bookseriesrecaps.com, which looks great. And thanks for another great episode. Thank you, Caitlin. Those are really, really hot book tips. Oh, yeah. These websites are really nice. Most recent book reviews. There's some recaps. Oh, were you curious about what's happening in the Cassidy Blake series? Here you go. All right. Great. That's awesome. Wow. Erica wrote in about bookish dating. I just listened to episode 202, and I have to share a story about a date I went on a couple of years ago. I went out for coffee with a guy, and we were chatting when I mentioned I like reading. He made small, we made small talk about it for a couple minutes until he said, there hasn't been a good author since Stephen King. And I remember thinking, um, <laughs> Stephen King is still alive and writing, so... <laughs> Not sure what you mean by sense, but okay, I'll buy it. So I asked him what his favorite book by Stephen King is, and he said, uh, oh, I've actually never read anything by Stephen King. Surprisingly, we did not make it to date number two. (laughs) P.S. I extra gave him the benefit of the doubt and asked which Stephen King movie was his favorite, and he had never seen any of those either. What a strange conversation. That is like one of the most hilarious things I've I honestly feel bad for this guy because I am a little bit like, I feel like maybe he was trying to impress Erica and I kind of like. You know that he definitely heard somebody say those words before. And then that seems like a book. When pressed, could not come up with anything. (laughs) There hasn't been a good author since Stephen King's. Like, he's still writing um, books. uh, He's alive. (laughs) He like came out with a book book like a couple months ago. (laughs) Like, he comes out with a book like every year. Stephen uh, uh, Stephen King is like Sonic the Hedgehog. If you bump into him, like a bunch of books fall out. Yeah, it's totally, it's totally true. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so Nikki wrote in with the wheelhouse, which is non-human protagonists. Oh, they must have loved the reading challenge last year. Um, multiple sentient races interacting, uh, animals talking to people or aliens and humans first contact, defamiliarization where normal aspects of our real life are described as being foreign or unusual, usually by non-human protagonists. Oh, that's a good I'm name sensing for a it. theme. That's, that's a good name for it because I feel like people always like that where they're like, oh, it's something we do regularly, but aliens think it's weird. That's the defamiliarization. I like that. That's fun. Fake textbooks and field journals, um, stories with polyamory and wars or conflicts that don't have obvious good guys and bad guys and make you flip perspective halfway through. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we have a couple of big bookmarks this week, which are very exciting. Um, Bria, you want to tell, uh, everybody about our new collaboration yeah we're doing a collab as the kids call it uh with um uh void merch um you've probably seen us wearing some void merch stuff on our our instagrams or drinking out of mugs from void merch we love the stuff they do we think they're very cool and we're doing a little collaboration with them and releasing um, some new designs. They say everything from library user with this cool, like old school looking library book to um, uh, one that has Mallory and my name on it, which I think is really cool. It says reading and Bria mm-hmm. and Mallory and glasses. I don't know, something like that. And then, uh, and yeah, then, it's, it's reading and Bria and podcast and Mallory and glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, and then, and then, uh, but things that we like to say on the show, like all books are real books and things like that, that we try to get across on the show. So you can. And you can buy them as T-shirts, but they can also put these designs on other stuff like uh, like like mugs and things like that. Um, so we're really excited cool, about that. Yeah, the cool thing about I mean, besides the fact that we you know we adore Ford Merch and we've been we've we've been friends with them and we uh, we w- love wearing their shirts is that all these designs like you can get them on. Any kind of a shirt. You want a t-shirt, you want a tank top, you want it lavender, you want it blue, you want it black. The the store offers a ton of variety. Um, and there's all there's there's mugs, there's pins, there's tote bags, mm-hmm. there's notebooks, there's all kinds of all these brand new designs, stuff that says reading glasses on it, stuff that just like Bria said has our um has quotes that we we say a lot on the show or stuff that we believe in the show. One of my, the one that I really want is the one that has a stack of books and it says the libraries are fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ugh. Love it. There's a great ask me what I'm reading one. Um, yeah. Our friend Jordan at Void Merch really knocked these designs out of the park. Um, so uh, there's a link in the show notes. This is going to be our brand new store. Um, we gave our, our 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 Slack channel folks access to it a week early, and they loved it. People were really really into it. Um, I saw someone who got a um, a t- a pillow uh, for their couch ah! that says "Libraries are fucking awesome," oh my God, which is I'm really get cool. That. I haven't ordered anything yet, but I'm going to. And I have to say, they have these shirts that are so soft and that I'm sort of obsessed with. Um, that are just like incredible. Yeah, Bray already wears a ton of I wear them like stuff basically every day because they're so soft and they fit really well and they they make me look like like very trim and fit. I really love them. I like think the shirts just like fit like exactly how I want a shirt to fit. Um, and it's awesome because you can get like, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. There's also, oh, we didn't even talk about, there's one with like a cat. It looks like this cat is reading a book. Oh, this, this is a great one. It's a picture. It's a picture of a cat with a book and it says, if I'm reading, don't talk to me. I know. It's great. <laughs> you can actually get it on a face mask. You can get it on a sticker. You can get it on a magnet. It sounds like I'm a, what am I, Dr. Seuss over here? You can yeah, it sounds get like it a on a show. boat. You can get it on a coat. Uh, you can't get it on either of those. <laughs> don't don't get excited about that. You can get it on a notebook. Well, but you can get the get it on a tote bag and then go on a boat. 
That's so true. Wow, you could even get it. But on you a probably would rather be reading. Shocking to me. Um, but uh, yeah, there's all sorts of things you can do here, and we just love them. Uh, it's a cool brand. Uh, they already make such cool stuff. So like, look at their other stuff too. You can get your uh, your other bookish gear there as well. Um, I also have this T-shirt that everyone loves when I wear it. It says, "Welcome to the Dracula Fuck Mansion." <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. And people also, see if that, they're seen... like, "That's amazing." Uh, if you ever. Uh go on Bria's Instagram and you see a picture of her wearing all my crushes are on book covers, that's Void merch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's great. It. They have such great stuff. We're so excited. Uh, and we're going to put the link in the show notes. This will be like the launch, huh, Mallory? This is kind of the launch? Yeah, we're launching. We're launching. We love it. And we've already seen, people have already ordered a bunch of things. When we gave the Slack channel folks um, a sneak preview, people already bought a bunch of stuff. So oh. we're we're so excited. Um we we could not love these designs anymore. They're like, it's the kind of stuff where I'm like, even if I wasn't, I didn't make a reading glasses podcast. If I saw these shirts, I'd be like, oh, I want that. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. I want the library user one really yeah, bad. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, and then we have another big bookmark. Uh, I have another big bookmark. Uh, I'm so excited to finally fucking announce that Girly Drinks is up for pre-order. Uh, Tuesday, we we finally uh, revealed the cover. We announced we announced the pre-order. Um, I will put a link in the show notes to every possible type of link you could ever want, whether it's the hardcover, whether it's the ebook, whether it's the audiobook. I am narrating the audiobook again. Um, like I did for Lady from the Black Lagoon. I'm really excited about it. Um, if you haven't been listening to the show for long, um, I am also an author. I am a nonfiction author. Uh, and my next book is The History of Women Drinking. Uh, it starts from the beginning of time until now. Um, and it's a great book for um, wine enthusiasts, culinary nerds, history buffs, feminists, anyone who loves women's history. Um, it is the history of women making, drinking, and serving alcohol all over the world. Um, and I had a ton of fun researching it. I researched it for years. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, yes, there'll be lots of photos in the ebook and print editions. There'll, yes, if you read Lady from the Black Lagoon, there'll be many snarky footnotes. Um, it's a blast. It's, um, it's, it's very, it's like a very feminist, funny cultural history. Uh, the first blurb I got said that it was serious yet seriously entertaining. And that's about the perfect way to describe it. I'm very proud of it. It would mean the absolute fucking world to me if you could pre-order it. Uh, there is a link in the show notes. Um, I am so excited. Let me know what you think about the cover. Um, and uh, if you have any questions, you can always, always uh, send them to me. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you listen to the show, you know how important all this stuff is for authors. Um so yes, uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Before we talk about books we read as a kid, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Owl Crate Jr. Owl Crate Jr. is an award-winning subscription box for kids ages 8 to 12. Every box is carefully put together to encourage curiosity, creativity, and imagination. Each one includes, Bria, are you ready for this? Yes. Brand new hardcover middle grade novel, exclusive letter and signed book or book plate from the author, and activities and goodies to go along with the book's theme. And best of all, they ship right to your door, starting at only $27.99 a month, plus shipping. That is less money than a hardcover adult book, and you get way more cool stuff. 
Yeah, so whether you have a voracious young bookworm in your life or you're looking for a way to encourage a reluctant reader, Owlcrate Junior is the perfect subscription for kids, kids ages 8 to 12. It's perfect. And past themes include Winged Beasts, Elements and Alchemy, Epic Quests. I've been looking, I'm looking online right now. They have one right now called Saga and Swords. That was their May one, which is so cute. It included um, the book, The Last Shadow Warrior. It also included So You Want to Be a Viking, which has illustrations. So cute. It had a book sleeve. It had a big bookmark and sticky notes. And then uh, Thor and Loki paper crafts, which is so cute. So it, uh, go look at these online because when you see them, you're going to be like, wow, that's worth way more than $27.99. That is a, that is a pack to the brim with a good time. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's summer. Kids are out of school, which is Good on one hand, but on the other hand, you're looking for stuff to do with your kids. Uh, this is a perfect, perfect thing to do. I actually uh, gave the box that I got to friends of mine who have two kids in this age range. And the uh, the consensus was big hit, huge hit. The, they loved all the activities. And that's the, the cool thing about these activities is not just for one kid. So if you have multiple kids, they can all partake in these activities. Um, of course, everyone can read the book. Um it's just awesome. It's it's a great way to encourage reading. It's and who doesn't love getting a subscription box? I mean, even even if you're an adult, you love getting a box once a month full of cool stuff. It's a huge highlight. Um, we adore these. We think they're also a great gift. If there's a kid in your life who has a birthday coming up, or uh, you just like want to do something nice for a niece or nephew that you haven't seen in a while because of the pandemic, Owl Crate Jr. is perfect for that. So you go right now, head to owlcratejr.com and save 15% on your first subscription or non-renewing gift with the code glasses at checkout. You all know our code, it's glasses. So just go to owlcratejr.com. That's owlcratejr.com. Save 15% on your first subscription or non-renewing gift with the code glasses. 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 Strange planets, curious technology, and a fantastic vision of the distant future. Featuring Martin Starr. So we're going on day 14. Shuttle still hasn't come. Aparna Nancherla. The security system provides you with emotional security. You do the rest. Echo Kellum. Can you disconnect me or not? Hurry Kondabolu. I'm staying. From Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Jeffrey McGiver. Could you play Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun? It's The Outer Reach. Stories from Beyond. Now available for free at MaximumFun.org or anywhere you listen. This week, we're talking about the books that we love when we were kids. Do they influence our tastes as adults? Do your favorite childhood books say anything about what sort of reader you'll grow, you'll grow up to be? We actually got a bunch of fan mail asking us to do an episode like this, so I'm happy that we can finally do it. We do have a bit of a, a nostalgia-based update, which I sent you, and that's that the Pizza Hut Book It Summer Reading Program is back. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Except it's still not open to adults. 
Pizza Hut will still not respond to the tweets that <laughs> no, I send it's them. Been, it's for kids. It's for kids. I know, but I can dream and I can I can keep trying. I, every time I see it come up on Twitter, I tweet at Pizza Hut that we are open to a collaboration with them and they've never responded. <laughs> um, Pizza Hut, notice me. <laughs> um, so if anyone just wants to know, it is for kids. It's a free virtual, it's, it's online, virtual camp for kids ages 4 to 12, uh, so pre-K to 6th grade, and will run from June to August, so it's running right now parents can enroll their kids uh, and uh, log their kids reading progress and when kids reach their reading goal they will receive a certificate and a voucher code for a free one topping personal pan pizza that sweet sweet personal pan i'm never gonna give up bria I'm going to keep trying. Oh, they have T-shirts, Mallory. They have T-shirts. They they sold out. The T-shirts sold Uh, out almost immediately. God. (laughs) Anyway, that was was just a kid-related update. Um, So speaking of kids, Bria, were you a big reader when you were one? I was. I was. I loved the library. Um, and I had had my fave books. You know, I texted my mom and they were they were what you might expect, like a good night moon, um, a book called Pat the Bunny, which I do not know what that is. Uh sounds pornographic. Pat the Bunny um, is a very popular okay. kids' book. Okay. Uh and then I also distinctly remember uh, the book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, that was, that yep. really stuck in my mind. But yeah, I, I liked to go to the library. We were big library users and we would get a ton of books. We also had a ton of books at home too. Uh, but I that's like, I remember the smell of the library. I remember going to the kids section. Uh, and then weirdly that memory melds with later in my life when I worked at the library and had to organize the kids section, which was always a fucking mess. Thanks, kid. <laughs> um, uh, no, but it was always like a place where it's just used a lot. So there's just like a lot of, um, books around. Um, but yeah, I, I was a reader when, when I was a kid. Um, we had, a, we were a, a household that had a lot of books. Uh, what about you? I, at first, I, I do want to say one of my favorite phrases to use is either when you give a mouse a cookie or one, it's sequel, when you give a moose a muffin. And very oftentimes, I remember the first time I said it to Jeremy, my boyfriend, and he was like, what are you talking about? Oh, what really? When you give a mouse a cookie. And I was like, you didn't read that when you were a kid? Because I like to use it like when you, because it's, it's like shorthand for saying like, oh, when... When you give something, someone, if you give someone something, they're going to want like a milk. Because the, the yeah. whole story of the book is you give a mouse a cookie and then he wants a glass of milk and then he wants a napkin and then he wants a, t- like he all, all wants yeah. the, all these things to go with the cookie. So I use that phrase all the time. And I, so many people are always like, what is that? And I'm like, yeah, I thought it was a very popular kids book. No, because I think people, what they normally say is if you give them an inch or something, is that the normal phrase? Yeah, you give an inch, they take a mile. But mm-hmm. if you give a mouse a cookie, it's a much better phrase. Yeah, it is a good phrase. It's a great phrase. Uh, but did you read as a kid? I imagine yes. you did. Um, I you honestly can't oh, Wait, I have rem- a question. Do, were you born with glasses or no? On? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the birth was very uncomfortable for my mother. She had to squeeze out a <laughs> pair of glasses. Um, the funny thing about that is that I actually needed glasses for a really, really long time. Um, but my mother didn't notice. And I didn't get them until I was in high school I want to say oh wow and I just thought I could the the weird thing is I'm very nearsighted so the only thing I can do without my glasses is read I am sent back from the future genetically engineered to only read but I can't see far away so the day that I finally took a uh, somebody noticed that I was like sitting at the front of the class and like squinting all the time um and my mom finally took me to the eye doctor and it was like really bad and 
I remember the ride home and I was like, you can read, I can read signs for the first time yeah. ever. I remember being able to see, this is boring, but I, I, I got glasses in fifth grade. I've had glasses for a long time and I, um, maybe actually earlier, I can't remember, but, um, I remember putting them on and being like, oh, you can see the leaves on the trees. Like that was like shocking to me. Yeah. I so, my mind was so blown. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my, actually my earliest memory is my grandfather teaching me how to read, uh, oh. with this little Cinderella picture book and above every single word was a little picture. Like the carriage had a picture of a carriage over it. And I was so enchanted with the idea that like seeing a word puts a picture in your mind. And I just was obsessed with it. And after that, I wanted all the books I can get my tiny little hands on. Uh, I just always liked books themselves. Uh, my grandfather uh, used to love to tell the story of um, how he would find me with paperbacks, like adult paperbacks, like Tom Clancy books, but holding them upside down, but trying to read yeah. them. Because uh, I was just always really um, drawn to books. Um, so Bria, what, what kind of books really caught your eyes? What was your, what was your kid wheelhouse? <laughs> I think, are not all kid wheelhouses just anything with an animal in it. I feel like it's I true. just love very true animals. You know, that's why like it's good night moon. It's it isn't even they don't even tell you, but the main character is an animal, you know? I can't remember it's a mouse, I think. And like a one of those, I think like, it, it's a mouse hats. or a bunny or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh but in then I I continued down this animal path. Um I think I've talked about this book before, this book that we had when we were kids called Eleventh the Eleventh Hour. This is a little older childhood. Um, which is uh um I know I talked about it before because my mom actually found it and sent it to me. But it's this book where it has these gorgeous pictures on the inside and there's a mystery and you have to figure out what happened, uh like who ate the cakes or I can't remember what it is now. Um Oh, but I do remember this, you talking about yeah, this. Yeah, it's like this mystery kind of book. And then as I got and then I graduated from that and um I got more into like I mean, I kind of got into just the assigned reading at school, you know, like I wasn't, I definitely wasn't like reading that much outside of that, but I did uh, like Hardy Boys and I liked Nancy Drew, which is interesting because it's like kind of old for like my uh, age, but our library had a ton of those books and I remember reading a lot of them. Like I think they were assigned and then after that I would go and like get them. Um, So Mm -hmm. I don't know, definitely there was like this mystery sort of like genre theme through all of my reading as a child, which is is weird to think about now because I that and animals which <laughs> um but what about you did what what kinds of books were you reading so obviously I was a huge Goosebumps fan uh, I grew up in the 90s and early 2000s and Goosebumps was huge I actually have a um a recollection of going my grandmother taking me to the bank when I was a kid I was like I don't know maybe six or seven and them asking if I wanted a lollipop and I was like no but do you have any Goosebumps books <laughs> and the teller thought that was very funny but I was very bummed out that they didn't have Goosebumps books um I absolutely love the Bailey School Kid books and the Waste Sideways Tales from Wayside Stories which we just found out are different books Wayside School yeah we just were figuring this out uh yeah that the the Sideways Stories from Wayside School is different than Bailey School Two weird schools. They're different universes. Yeah, totally different universes. And in my mind, up until today, I thought they were the same series. But they're very, they're just like weird, weird fiction. It's like weird fiction for kids uh, that takes place at a school. I love, I also love, I love the Wayside Stories one. And I, we just talked about this uh, off air, but I I love the the part where the guy is rude. There's a new student and he's very rude. Turns out he's just a dead rat in a raincoat. (laughs) 
I I can't remember if it was Bailey School Kids or Wayside Stories, but the the one that I think about the most, and tell me if you remember this, it's a story about a kid. He was like an like an eight year old kid, and his dad was taking him to get a tattoo, and he couldn't figure out what tattoo he wanted, so he got a tattoo of a potato. I think that must be. I don't. I'm not as familiar with Bailey, the Bailey School, so maybe that's. If someone can remember what story that's from, please let me know if you remember that at all. But I think because I'm obviously a very heavily tattooed person. And, and whenever I get tattoos, go to get go to the shop. Like I think about you think that about kid getting a getting potato. A potato. Oh, OK. <laughs> Cause, and I remember because he was like, well, I thought it was a good tattoo because I love potatoes. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, makes sense. Like mm-hmm. solid tattoo idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also a big Boxcar Kids Mysteries fan. I had like I remember I had a box of the Boxcar Kid books i loved i never got into nancy drew as much but i love the boxcar kids um i had a ton of the great illustrated classics which i think people just gave to me because they knew i liked to read i don't think many kids like sought out the great illustrated classics (laughs) it was like what your aunt got you for christmas because they she knew you like books um i didn't get into babysitters club as much probably because it like there was no potato tattoos or vampires or whatever was going on yeah at, i remember people Bailey having school. them and i didn't i never got into them either i don't know i don't know why yeah i think i didn't like the idea of dealing with kids even when i was a kid <laughs> myself but i thought they I did don't like mysteries kids. and stuff i thought it was like yeah and they i know they were really formative formative for a bunch of people and people really really love them but i you know what i also really loved is and there was always a bunch of these books at the libraries, nonfiction about like supernatural stuff and cryptids. It yeah. was like, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> books about the Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot. Give me one of those. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy. Mm-hmm. I loved those books. Mm-hmm. Like I was very fascinated and like very committed to learning all the facts about the Loch Ness Monster. Important stuff. You might need it later. Turns out you kind of did. Yeah, <laughs> that's so that was that's perfect because that's what my next question for you was. So do you think that the books that you read as a kid were formative for you? Can you like trace your your childhood wheelhouse to your adult wheelhouse? Um, Yeah. And that there's a lot of like fantasy like um, I mean, we also read, read like a lot of Roald Dahl and stuff like that. And I think there's like all that kind of fantasy, weird fiction like the like for kids books, I think it's like you automatically put like the fantastical in, right? And um, I think that that has still taken like center stage for me and what I'm looking for as a reader. And maybe it's not so much like unicorns or mice that want cookies, but it's you know it's <laughs> stuff that um, it kind of takes me out of my normal life realm. I was I was reading, although, you know, I like the Nancy Drew books and stuff like that, but um, I think, like, I also really, as I, like, later, I mean, like, some of the first books I got really into were, like, Kurt Vonnegut, like, as, a, like, an, a, like, a teen reader. And, like, those are just weird-ass books, and I think I just liked weird stuff. And I don't know, it's interesting because if you think about, like, all kids' stuff is pretty fantastical. Like, Dr. Seuss is fantastic. Everything is, nothing is very grounded. So it's interesting that some of us continue down that path. Um, and I, obviously that's what I did. You know, I loved Benicula and now I make horror movies, you know? So like, it kind of yeah. makes sense, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Did I never grow up? Did my tastes never mature? I'm not sure. But I mean, obviously, uh, that it had a big influence on me. I just wonder what happened to the other people who ended up being like, I only like serious dramas and no unicorns. Like, did they not read the same books as us growing up? 
kids who grew up with like Nancy Drew. They're like, I don't, I, this is all I want. I want a hard hitting crime. Yeah, 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 yeah. True, true crime. Maybe those people are all into true crime. I don't know. Uh, what about you? What, what can you trace your um, childhood taste to your adult ones? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Direct straight lines. Goosebumps led me to horror. Beta school and wayside. Uh, Wayside School led me to weird fiction. Um, Boxcar Kids led me to found families books, books kids, with, about kids with no biological families. Kids, kids um, books, ha- a line. lot of them have like non, but I always think about like, like, I feel like there was an era in which every child was an orphan in every book and every movie. Oh, yeah. So Disney started orphans. that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it turns out. Disney hates parents. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was an orphan. Uh, that, that was a big thing for a minute. I feel like now we have more parents in things. Well, I think what happens is it's there's more of an uh, of a chance and opportunity for a fantastical adventure mm-hmm. if you don't have your parents around because your parents are supposed to be security and they keep you safe and if their parents your parents aren't there then you're kind of let loose into the world to like find Nemo and go to space mm-hmm. and whatever the hell is going else is going on uh, in the book. So I think that is, it, it's it's a big catalyst a catalyst in every single Disney movie and book about kids. Like, I mean, the first book in the Boxcar Kids is about them moving into the Boxcar. And I don't mm. remember why. I remember, you know, they don't have parents for some reason. And they all live in this Boxcar for some reason. Um, but that's like, it's always like the push to, for, to have the story begin is like getting away from the safety and security of your family. And you're out on this adventure. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like a character choice where like it's like oh we can give them this thing and they will be always you know yearning for family or something which is you know the, the always part of part of the adventure by the way something that really bucked that movie recently bucked that is uh mitchell the mitchells versus the machines did you watch that movie no jeremy really wants to and we're going to at some point but i, I i'm attracted to it because everyone's wearing glasses and i oh it's so cute love characters with it's glasses it's so cute you'll love it it's like hilarious it's so funny it's very cute and um it will make you cry it, like it, it will make you sob but it is good oh well i mean everyone deserves a good cry sometimes yeah, yeah. um so, Bria, now that you're an adult, what has changed the most in your reading taste? What would young Bria be most surprised that you are well, reading? I read a lot of books with words instead of pictures, so that's... But <laughs> Bria's like, weirdly, what are you doing? Weirdly, I still am drawn to Actually, books with pictures. <laughs> I was going to say, young Bria would be very proud that you read a ton of books with illustrations. Illustrations and graphic novels. Um, so maybe that's not changed. Uh but even in like seventh and eighth grade, I did start, I mean, I did start, I guess, gravitating towards like more like literary stuff. I got really into like Beat Generation stuff, J.D. Salinger, uh, like I said, Kurt Vonnegut. So yeah, I, so I, I started liking, I wanted to read the classics at one point. Um, I wanted, and then I got into like literary fiction. Uh, you know, that literary fiction classic sort of like midpoint where I feel like, uh, like Venn diagram where I feel like a lot of, um, kids who get really into reading fall, get into, um, uh, but the weird sci-fi stuff was kind of like, you know, the weird fiction was definitely in my veins and I definitely kept, kept moving towards it. I mean, I don't know if, I feel like Kurt, like young Bria would be like, oh, that's cool. You still read stuff with like, you know, with aliens and like, uh, swords and, you know, stuff like that. I feel like that young Bria would, would appreciate that about me um what about you what would young Mallory say about what you read now 
I think I read a lot more straight up literary fiction than little Mallory would have predicted that I would have grown up to read. Right. Because um, no, no child, you're not handing any child like, you know, a literary, like some, some very popular literary fiction book. So I don't think there's any way we could predict that. No. A little, little Mallory would be like, where are the talking bears? Other than that, though, I mean, I didn't I didn't really start getting into literary fiction until I was in like my mid 20s. Like I really it's kind of a recent thing for me. Um, but other than that, I think my tastes are pretty similar. Uh, I still love books about cryptids and the Loch Ness Monster and shit. Like I still love <laughs> I very much gravitate towards horror and weird fiction, anything strange. I think I've always had that innate desire to read stuff like that. And that hasn't has not really changed. Um, Basically, we haven't. Grown I will up. say. <laughs> we haven't grown up. Fuck it. We will never grow up. Um, uh, and that being said, we're definitely interested to see what listeners are reading as kids, to see what listeners read as kids or what kids are reading now. Um, there are so many readers that didn't become readers as kids because maybe they needed audiobooks or ebooks or never found something that interested them. I personally really wish there were more children's graphic novels when I was little, or at least someone gave them to me. I think they're great for encouraging reading and kids. I saw this really great essay recently about how a lot of kids that were quote unquote seen as like reluctant readers when they were kids actually just like if you give them a graphic novel, they'll fucking love reading. Mm-hmm. It's just like you need they they need uh you know, a little bit of a different accommodation. And that doesn't mean that they're not smart or not bookish or don't have the potential to be all those things. It's just like, we need to accommodate them better. So I would love to see, um, man, can you imagine if there were all the cool middle grade graphic novels there are today when we were kids? Yeah. Yeah. I would have inhaled them. Yeah. Same. I would have loved it. Definitely. Uh, uh, So you can send your thoughts to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. Before we solve a listener problem, we're going to take a quick break. Hola, como te llamas? Uh, Mallory, E2. Uh, me llamo Bria. In case you don't speak Spanish, that's Bria and I introducing each other to ourselves, even though we already know each other. And we learned it from Babbel, which is the number one language learning app. This might sound silly, but we're all going to start start traveling again, and you're going to need to introduce yourself to people you don't know who you haven't spent the past year in the same room with. Unlike the infamous language classes you took in high school, Babbel designs their 15-minute lessons with practical, real-world conversations in mind. Things you get to use in everyday life. Like, what's your name? How are you? Uh, where's the bathroom? Give me that croissant. Uh, where is the biblioteca? <laughs> oh, yeah. Donde esta la biblioteca is a very important uh, phrase to learn. But you, we're, we're speaking in Spanish, but with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages that also includes languages like French, Italian, and German. So you can go get croissants, baguettes, ho- soft pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the, the bread that they eat in Germany. <laughs> Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. So right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Pretty awesome. So that by the time you're, you've got uh, six months under your belt, you'll definitely be able to ask for a croissant or a sausage or whatever you want in, in the language that you chose. So all you have to do is go to Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com and use promo code GLASSES. You know our, our promo code GLASSES for an extra three months free. Babbel.com, promo code GLASSES, Babbel, language for life. Glasses. Glasses. Glasses.
We have wasted this world. Our magic put a storm in the sky that has rendered the surface of our planet uninhabitable. But beneath the surface, well, that's another story entirely. In a city built leagues below the apocalypse, survivors of the storm forge paths through a strange new world. Some seek salvation for their homeland above. Others seek to chart the vast undersea expanse outside the city's walls. And others still seek, what else? Fortune and glory. Dive into the Ether Sea, the latest campaign from the Adventure Zone, every other Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ooh, this is a summary, s- summer listener problem. Um, now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Laura writes in, I am a backcountry camper and I usually bring multiple books on my canoe trips. I prefer to use the library over purchasing books, but I am worried about taking library books out on my trips because it is easy for them to get wet and ruined. So far, I have brought a few library books and they have survived the ordeal. I feel bad about exposing library books to this risk. Should I? Bria, what do you think Laura should do? Well, obviously, I'm going to recommend a waterproof e-reader first and foremost because uh, you can fit multiple books, no extra weight, and you can take books that don't belong to you from the library and you don't have to worry about ruining them. You just have to worry about ruining your e-reader, but if you get a waterproof one, could be could be good. But I'm not, look, Laura, maybe you're not an e-reader. I'm not going to push my agenda on you, okay? Um, but <laughs> if you can't do that, I'm going to say get yourself a nice plastic bag. I, so first I'm going to say, I think you're allowed to take library books. The librarians are going to write in and be like, no, you're not. And I'm going to say, if this is what you're reading and this is your source of books, then I think you should take them with you. But get yourself a nice plastic bag and put them inside. I actually do this when I pack to go places. I always have a few plastic bags to protect the things that I know the lotion that's going to spill in my bag at some point in time is going to, is going to spill on or the chocolate is going to melt on. I just put shit in plastic bags. <laughs> you just open I- Bria's suitcase and it's nothing but... Bars of chocolate. Basically, it's just chocolate bars melted everywhere. Um, and so I put stuff in, like, plastic bags. And, like, you can use, like, reusable plastic bags or, like, the kind that you put, like, your makeup or something in. Uh, uh, they probably don't have ones that big. You also could use, like, a sleeve, some sort of, I bet they make waterproof sleeves. Mallory, you looked into this. Do they make waterproof sleeves for books? Uh, I don't know about the sleeves, but they do have cases. Okay, go which on. Which is my tip. Okay. So, yeah, I definitely, Laura, this is a tough one. I understand that, like, we're all, it's so interesting to see all the different shades of book guilt that we all feel. Um, I think, I agree with Bria, this is definitely a solution where getting an e-reader or even a reading a book on your phone might be a good solution, but I get it. I love print books, and I especially love a print book on vacation, especially because you're on vacation, you don't want to be attached to the internet in any way. I totally get it. You like to be unplugged. Um, so my suggestion, if you don't want to get a waterproof e-reader, is to get some sort of waterproof slash crushproof case for your books. I checked, and if you search waterproof case or box online, there's a ton of options, like between 20 and 30 bucks for cases that will fit multiple books, prevent them from getting crushed, and are totally waterproof. Um, it's like a little plastic. It looks like... It almost looks like um like a little suitcase that you would have in a movie that would have a bunch of money in it Ooh. that people were like everyone's trying to get the mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. Um, um, obviously this is like a little unwieldy and like would be packed into all your other camping gear. But for lighter and easier to pack options, uh, there are also pretty cheap waterproof 
bags, not like a plastic bag, um, but it looks like like a little like um, uh, drawstring backpack, but they're waterproof and they will offer some protection. It would be really cool for Laura to pull up on uh, pull up on her campsite and she like kathunk kathunk opens up her waterproof case and there's all her library books inside. But I think we're both saying to take those library books because that's what she's asking. We're like, here's how you do it. Basically, we're like, you. We're should enabling take- you, Laura. <laughs> we are we enabling you to take these library books because. I mean, you should, look, if you have your own books, I would take those first. I would choose your own books first. Just if you're like, I'm going on a whitewater rafting adventure. Like, maybe take <laughs> your own books. Uh, but if you have a couple of library books and you're just going camping, I think you can, you know, keep them, keep, be aware of where they are. You know, I don't know. Keep them, keep them off the ground. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like the risk of like getting some s'mores on your library book is just as high of a risk of getting some chocolate at home. Like... A library book going anywhere home, is a risk. You know? <laughs> oh. Um, uh, it's not like she's standing in the middle of the lake reading, you know, like up to, up to her armpits in water but holding the book up. In one, of, know, those, sit- in one of those outfits that goes up to your armpits. like Oh, those, the waiters. <laughs> yeah, like a new waiter. Get a waiter for your book. Oh, my book. God. I want to see if somebody take a photo of that. Um but yeah, you know, it's, I, I feel like it's see, obviously there it, it, there's more risk, but there's still risk of, at home. You know, it's same amount of risk as like people reading library books in the bathtub. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And we tend to encourage that. So I guess we're giving you our blessing just to be careful we're, and maybe Laura, try we're giving you our blessing. Spaces. But I do think you should take some responsibility to, to protect them, whether it's a case or a plastic bag or yeah, I would, uh, if you were a hardcore camper and you love camping gadgets, you know those people that like are obsessed with REI, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. just want to like get all kinds of weird little camping shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Laura, I would definitely Google waterproof case or box and there's all kinds of cool, cool stuff that will protect those library books and make you feel, e- ease a little bit of, of your book guilt, but we are saying go forth down the river and read. <laughs> so if you want us to solve your reader problem you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com um so it's time to answer a recommendation request danielle writes in hi i'm hoping i can get a different recommendation from each of you for mallory i need help finding the scariest paranormal horror like poop my pants scary i've read all the ones that are on the list but they didn't really scare me the only one i could think of that actually scared me is the devil in connecticut by gerald brittle For Bria, I'm hoping to find a novel about a person or small group of people stuck in space. I prefer it not to be too sci-fi-y, and it doesn't have to have a happy ending. I haven't read many of these, but I love The Martian by Andy Weir. Thank you so much. Uh, P.S. One of my favorite parts of the show is when when, when Bria makes Mallory laugh and it just explodes out of her. It's hilarious, and I love her laugh. Uh, Danielle, thank you. Many people make fun of my laugh, so that when listeners write in and say they like it, it makes me happy. Um, Bria, what do you think Dan, uh, Danielle should read? Okay, so um, they want me to recommend a group or a person stuck in space. Okay, well, I'm going to recommend The Luminous Dead if if Danielle has read it. It's not too sci-fi. It's one woman, and she's not in space. She's on an alien planet, and she's, like, having to go down this cavern. So it is very scary because uh, you're obviously looking for scary stuff. Uh, and she's going down this cavern because um, I've talked about it a lot on the show, but this, this uh, there's a company and they're trying to like find this specific thing. And then of course, once she gets like halfway down, uh, she's only talking to one other woman the whole time. Um, and when she gets halfway down, you realize she has other reasons for being there and you realize that no one has actually ever survived this. So it's, it is sci-fi-y and it's alien planet-y. It does have aliens involved. So if that's too sci-fi-y, I think you're saying... 
I don't know. If you like The Martian, I feel like you like hard sci-fi. So, um, what about something like Six Wakes? That's like also another genre. That's a great one. I think that's a really good one. Six Wakes by Merle Lafferty, which is like a mystery slash. It's a clone mystery, a clone m- murder mystery, but is is very dangerous. And also I would say, like, um, The Loneliest Girl in the Universe is a great one. It's a YA one if you're open Ooh, to that because she's stuck oh, in the middle that's... of nowhere. It's not super, like, there's not a lot of, like, hard sci-fi stuff, but it is. She is in space, and then she, her parents have both died, and she's trying to get back to Earth. And then she gets, like, a call, and they're like, oh, the ship is coming to rescue you, but the ship is, like, not who she thinks it is. So th- those are all, like, ones that I think are, like, stuck in space, one or two people. Um, let me know if you've read those um, already, Danielle, but I think uh, those could be really fun. Uh, what's your suggestion for um, skit your for shit your pants? Uh, scary, Mallory. <laughs> oh, Danielle, a reader after my own heart. How we all long to shit our pants. Um, <laughs> I totally get you. Uh, you remember that episode where a long time ago when you and I realized that one of our wheelhouse items is things that make us shit our pants? <laughs> um, so, yes, I, 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 too, need the highest chili rating of horror for a book to scare me. Um, <laughs> I read a ton of horror, and it's very rare that a book will actually scare me. Um, and I do also fucking hate when you look online for scary book lists, and they're always like, have you read Stephen King? Yeah. I'm like, yes, yes, I fucking have. He's still it alive, drives, too, oh. just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> it just always drives me nuts. It's like scariest books ever. And it's always something from Stephen King, Haunting of Hill House, something from Anne Rice. I'm just like, I need something new. Um, so I'm going to recommend a haunted house book that I read a couple years ago and I had never heard of. Um, and it wasn't until I, I was talking to a friend of the show, Clay McLeod Chapman, who's also an amazing horror writer, who was like, have you read this book? Um, it's The House Next Door by Anne Rivers Sidens. Uh, and it really scared me. And it's a fascinating take on the haunted house genre because it's a vicarious book. Um, the, it literally is about the house next door. It's like the house, these people move into this house and the house next door to them is scary, basically scary as fuck. And all these, all these scary things keep happening. And it's such an interesting setup because it's the, the main characters are, this, are the, their neighbors and they're like slowly realizing that something horrifying is happening in this house and they're trying to, they're like, what do we do? How do we prevent people from moving in without looking like, you know, uh, insane people? Um, it really, um, it's really, really good, really, really scary. Um, and I also would say The Elementals by Michael McDowell because it's a great summer read because it's about a beach house uh, and it's genuinely terrifying. This is one of the one of the only books that in, I've read in the past like four years that has really genu- genuinely hmm. scared me. Obviously, they're both haunted house books. I have a haunted house book obsession. I find them to be the scariest books. Um, but yeah, I think, Danielle, read both of those. It's House Next Door and at The Elementals. Let us know. And then Bria's was um, Luminous Dead and Six Wakes and The Loneliest Girl in the Universe. Um, I think these are all good recs. Uh, so you can send your recommendation request to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy reading glasses, totes, and shirts, and pins, and mugs. Yes, we do we now have mugs thanks to our mugs. friend over at Void Merch. Incredible. I who doesn't want to ask me what I'm reading mug? Um, there's a link in the show notes. We're really excited about our new merch collaboration. And if you like the show and you want to do something for free, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It's great for us. It helps us reach more listeners and advertisers and I don't, people who give us one-star reviews because we won't say bad things about books that we don't like. Um, 
You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading.